0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Build a wall. This is the best solution that they could think of. No, I'm not talking about President Trump's plans. We're not going to go there today. I'm talking about 1652 in New Amsterdam. Here we find General Peter, and I'm probably gonna butcher this name, it's Dutch, Stewie Vicent. Our friend Pete had a problem. He was the one in charge of New Amsterdam, the people's safety, the city's growth, its defense. And one of those defenses, a protection that he felt New Amsterdam needed, was a wall. A wall to keep out hostile British forces and Native Americans and also the locals' pigs. You see, construction had already begun on this wall by the time we find Peter in 1653 pulling his hair out, trying to figure out how they're going to finish building the wall with the settlers' pigs running around. If you've ever owned pigs, then you probably know. Pigs are rooters. They like to put their head down and push their nose through the dirt, digging up whatever gems they can find. Imagine a pig walking along through New Amsterdam when suddenly it encounters a wall. And then it does what it does best. It starts to root against this wall, essentially undermining the foundation of the structure. Frustrated and not knowing what to do, he writes a letter to his superiors
2: honorable dear and distinguished friends we see with great grief the damages done to the walls of our fort by hogs especially now again in the spring when the grass comes out we made an order concerning it last year at the request of the select men who promised properly to fence in the fort and keep the hogs meanwhile from the walls But seeing after the lapse of a year that nothing or at least only little has been done, and that what has been done at the fort has again been destroyed by the pigs, as may daily be learned, we are compelled to enter a protest about the non-fulfillment of promise. How this is we do not know, but we see to our trouble and shame the pigs daily on the walls, busy with their destruction. Therefore, we request masters and shepherds to give an order in accordance with the before-mentioned promise and prevent the pigs, else we shall be compelled to carry out our former order. Relying thereon, we remain, honorable, dear, distinguished friends, your very well-meaning friend, I'm going to start signing my letter as your very well-meaning <laughs> friend. Good that was, that good was
1: This letter is dated March 1653, New Amsterdam. Time passes. Nothing is done to improve this situation, and our poor friend Peter is just vexed. By August, he, he doesn't know what to do and he writes another letter.
2: Respected and very dear, we cannot consistently with duty omit calling your worship's attention to the injurious and intolerable destruction which we to our great dissatisfaction daily behold the hogs committing on the new finished works of the fort, whence the ruin thereof will certainly ensue. And whereas bushmasters and Shepins, in violation of their solemn promises made both in writing and orally, will not lend a hand to repairing and strengthening the same, we can certainly expect they will adopt measures and take care. What we with great pains and labor have brought so far will not again be destroyed by hogs, and thus all our labor will be rendered useless. Our
1: friend Pete's first letter was nice enough. Now he's getting down to business. He's washing his hands of this problem.
2: Following ordinance and placard, whereof we, by these presents, do first notify the Bushmasters and shipens, and clear ourselves of all damage and injury that may follow therefrom done at fort Amsterdam in new netherlands the 12th of august 1653. you'll notice this letter does not end the same way your
1: well-meaning friend peter was (laughs) done he was washing his hands of this situation there was no beating the hogs and as peter had warned the duchess labor would in fact be rendered useless now not necessarily by the pigs By September of 1664, the British seized New Amsterdam. Peter was there when it happened, running things. An English naval squadron under Colonel Richard Nichols shows up. Now, Peter had hoped to resist the English, but he was an unpopular ruler, and his Dutch subjects refused to rally around him. Could this be because he gave them such a hard time about their pigs? Four English warships with several hundred soldiers on board arrived in New Amsterdam's harbor and they demanded that the Dutch surrender. And although Peter was prepared to fight, the rest of the residents persuaded him just to stand down. Let's just end this. And on September 8th, he signs the colony over without any blood being shed. Following its capture, New Amsterdam's name is changed to New York in honor of the Duke of York who organized this mission. And this wall that they had begun building that never was finished may be why the troops were so easily intimidating this fortress. Well, the English demolished the wall. They finished the job the pigs had started so long ago. They paved a road in the wall's place. The original Dutch name of this street was De Wallstraat. It's known today by a better name, Wall Street. So I want you to imagine a world for just a minute where there were no hogs in New Amsterdam, where Pete and his buddies were able to build a big, tall wall, a strong defense, A wall that would make them feel safe and not so ready to hand over their fort the minute the British warships arrived. I want you to imagine a world where New York is not New York. It's New Amsterdam. That might have been the world that we lived in, were it not for pigs. Pigs are an incredible animal, there's no doubt, but they're also an incredible force to contend with. Not only do they shape the ground beneath us, they've literally shaped the map that we live on. And so the question you need to ask yourself is, are you really ready to bring this animal onto your homestead? That's the question we're going to try to answer in today's episode of homesteading The world that we live in is a crazy place but you and me we can each make it a little better we can live a more sustainable life we can become more self-sufficient we can get more connected with the planet around us and we can do all of this together so everybody cozy up it's time for another episode of homestead Every Tuesday night at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, Mike and I sit down to record what is now the weekly podcast, and we do it live on YouTube. So if you'd like to join us 9 o'clock Eastern Time every week, head over to the Homestead YouTube channel, and the most fun of all is the fact that you get to chat along with us as we create the episode. Last Tuesday, Mike and I sat down to figure out if you should bring pigs onto your homestead. Did yourself. You can
2: unmute yourself. I'm here. I'm there unmuted. I'm, do I have to talk in that uh, ye olde voice this whole time or well, can I talk No, we'll voice? let
1: that. You can stop. Although, I don't know. Maybe if um, we'll have everybody vote Lord. in
2: the chat boxes
1: if they prefer you to, uh, to talk. No, and... no. no oh, I goodness. ignore the chat box. <laughs> <It's> not important. <laughs> so pigs are an awesome animal for homesteaders and tonight we're going to get into this and accountant Mike's going to join me for this whole episode as we go through Uh, we're going to cover the topic of pigs and I have Mike with me tonight I've been raising pigs for five years now and the method we're going to talk about I'm going to share everything that we do. Pigs are an awesome animal for homesteaders and small farmers. Uh, They were known as mortgage lifters and that was because they were so profitable. They were an animal, and count Mike's going to perk up at that already. Uh, they're an animal that you could bring onto your homestead, you could feed and take care of, and then you could sell, uh, feed your own family and sell to surrounding families. And you could totally not only cover your costs, but you could earn so much profit from this enterprise, you could be paying off the cost of your land, the cost of your home, with the help of these pigs. But, as our friend Pete would remind us, uh, pigs are probably not right for every person in every situation. Certainly we're not very good for those new Amsterdammers. Is that what you call them? Sure. <laughs> sure. So first let's talk about what is the right kind of homestead to have for pigs. What does your place need to be like for you to bring this animal? Because uh, it's not gonna work in every place. So what's the land look like for pigs? When it comes to the property, there's a lot of different things that can work for pigs. Wow. Pigs can work in grass. They can work in the woods. Uh, they can work anywhere, and they actually do best in kind of both those. So on our property here, we have a grassy area for our pigs, and we also have a wooded area, and they're able to go and come as they please so an awesome versatile animal that can handle almost any kind of property I mean if you lived in the desert yeah that would be a bit of a stretch but if you have you know hills if you have rocky property a property like ours which is full of ledge and uneven and you almost would worry about a larger animal maybe breaking a leg or you know getting hurt a pig can handle no problem the biggest thing I think before you dive into the idea of getting pigs is uh, thinking about your space on your property, the space from your own home and the space from your neighbor's homes. The reason why is because pigs do have a certain smell. I worked with pigs all day today, had a couple things go wrong in the barn, we had a water line break and I was like, just buried in pig all day. And I think I finally have gotten the smell of the pig off after two showers, (laughs) but they do have a smell. And you will hear people say if you raise them on grass and you raise them outside that that smell is – there is maybe no smell if you raise them out on pasture. Well, there always is some smell to the pigs. And if you have them outside in the right situation, it's going to be very, very minimal. But I'll be honest. There are days where I walk out my front door and I'm about 500 feet from the barn where the pigs are at in that area. And if the wind is blowing in the right direction, we can definitely – Get a waft of the pig scent. So you want to make sure if you're getting pigs, um, you you have them in a spot where the neighbors aren't going to smell them. They're not going to be annoyed by them. If you don't mind it, it's it would be best if it, like in my circumstance, we found the furthest corner from our house and there are no neighbors around. So we put them down there far away. And that way you don't deal with that smell. And if you do have them outside on grass and you keep a good care of their area, the smell can be very minimal, but there is a smell so we can't ignore that. Another thing you want to make sure before you bring pigs onto your homestead is that you're legally allowed to have pigs and uh, this is an important one. There are towns like our town that are very, very easy and laid back as far as what animals they let you have. We can have as many chickens and as many goats and as many horses as we like, Uh, but there were town ordinances regarding pigs in our town and in our state even. So before you wind up bringing pigs onto the homestead, you might want to look into that, especially if you have neighbors nearby who you think will be a problem, uh, who may complain. That's something to consider. Once you have an idea that your land will work for the pigs and it's okay legally and the town isn't going to get involved, then you got to think about your infrastructure. Do you have a barn to put them in? Do you have a three-walled structure that you can raise them in? Uh, Pigs throughout the spring, summer, and fall, you can put them in a kind of lean-to, a roof over their head. I like to have three walls in case the wind's blowing and the rain's pouring. Uh, but they do just fine as long as it's not too cold. You'll also need to make sure they have access to their water. So you don't wanna be carrying five gallon buckets of water out to the location you're thinking about bringing pigs. Uh, It's best if you have a hard line of water run out to where your pigs are, and then we install a frost-free hydrant so you can turn that water on and off even in the wintertime and you don't have to worry about it. And you need to be able to deliver feed. Pigs are heavy feeders and you cannot just feed them grass and expect them to grow. You need to bring pig feed to your animals. So find a spot on your property like ours that's far from your house and your neighbors where there's a road right up to it, have water already in that location and that you can drive a car up to or a truck up to and unload a pallet's worth of feed. If you have all that and you have the ability to move pigs to this place and then maybe out to the processor or to a different location on the farm if you're thinking about processing your own, if you have all that covered, then you're probably in a great spot uh, to consider bringing pigs onto your property. If you've decided uh, that, yes, I I can say yes to all these things, this, 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 and this, we're on to the next step. What are the right kind of pigs? What should you expect to pay for them? And what are you going to get back from those pigs? And we're gonna dive into this subject in just a minute. First, we're gonna hear a word from our sponsors. (laughs) This episode of Homesteady is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh wants to change the way people eat forever. They believe everyone deserves honest, natural, delicious, healthy food. And we at Homesteady definitely agree with that. One of the nicest things about HelloFresh is the fact that all the ingredients are fresh and they come in the portions that you need, so you're cutting back on food waste. Recently I got to try HelloFresh out. Now I am not very good in the kitchen as you guys probably already know. I was very impressed by how easily I was able to put a meal for my family together. And that's because HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that is designed to make cooking fun, easy, and convenient. Each of the recipes has step-by-step instructions that are designed to take around 30 minutes for anyone from a novice like myself to a seasoned home cook that just is short on time The ingredients are fresh, and they're measured to the exact quantities, so there's no food waste, which is awesome. I'm afraid the pigs aren't going to get much slop from these meals. If you're like me, and cooking is not a strength, but you want to get better, maybe make it a skill of yours, well HelloFresh is a great way to do it. You'll be given all the ingredients you need in the right amount, so you don't have to go searching around for things and trying to figure out how much to use and you can focus on actually figuring out how to cook, which is a really good life skill to have, especially for someone homesteading who's gonna be growing farm-fresh ingredients and harvesting from their own land. HelloFresh offers a classic box, a veggie box, or a family box. They now have a meal plan that's just $30. That's less than $10 per meal. If you want to give HelloFresh a try, we have a special offer for you. Use promo code homestudy 30 at checkout, and you get $30 off your first order. So visit HelloFresh.com and enter promo code homestudy 30 So, Accountant Mike, you there? Yes yes let's say you're thinking about bringing pigs on to your homestead
2: right into my apartment building right so I'm, you
1: you listen to what it. we just went through and uh, do you think your place yeah. is the right place for pigs
2: you know there's one or two you know small little things i gotta deal with but for the most part i'm totally ready you're good <laughs> yeah for you're, sure.
1: on, you're on the second story right that you got a yeah a balcony it's not garden. that
2: hard you know they could just walk up the stairs it'll be easy
1: So let's talk about breeds for you, accountant Mike, because I want to make sure you get the right
2: breed. All right. And what do uh, I get? in
1: your situation, one maybe one of those little pot bellies would be
2: perfect. But yeah, like the little cute ones that can yeah. fit in the cup.
1: Yeah. Teacup. Yeah. Those those work. Yeah. Teacup pig. This is a question. Which pig breed should I get? That is it's a hard one to answer. Uh, the first thing you have to consider are what is available to you. Now you're going to see, when you start looking on the internet, oh, I want to get my own pigs. You're going to find all these weird, unique breeds. You're going to see the Asaba Island Pigs. Counted Mike's getting a smirk already. Google this one, Accountant Mike, Mangalitsa. Island. Mangalitsa. Say um, Mangalitsa. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that one right, but Google that and tell me what you think of that pig.
2: What? Yes. The
1: pig with fur. This is the Mangalitsa. And it's
2: supposed to be... Um, I'm not cool with that, man. Supposed to be this incredible tasting pork that
1: you've never experienced, and restaurants are selling mangalitsa pork for so much more money than you could imagine. Uh, the pig actually has fur on it, it's wild. So, guys, Google it at home. So, it accountant literally Mike's has showing fur on it. Here. Look at that, it's a very strange looking animal.
2: Oh, that's so weird, man. My What's
1: advice is steer clear of the weird breeds because you're gonna pay so much more money for the weird breeds, and unless you live near where accountant Mike lives, you know, near the city where you have restaurants who are trying to sell a very high-end product and can ask that kind of money for it you're going to have an impossible time selling your pork for what you would need to to make up for the loss of these that you spent on these rare breeds. So forget the rare breeds. Stepping aside from these crazy weird breeds, you find yourself asking yourself should you get a cross? Uh, should you go with the kind of commercial breed of the pig or should you get a heritage breed pig? And when it gets down to this decision, uh, it's more up, in my opinion, the best way to approach this is to ask yourself, what is available to me in my local area? Do I have a farmer nearby? Because myself, I've raised Tamworth pigs. I've raised the Hampshire's, the Berkshire, the Yorkshire, uh, Yorkshire Landrace Cross. I've raised all those different breeds. I've eaten each one of those. And at the end of the day, taste-wise, I have never found a difference in breed. Now, I have found a difference in breed as far as how they grow. And so that might help you decide. But as far as flavor and quality of meat goes, the biggest difference you'll get there is not in the breed, but in how you raise them and what you feed them. So if you have a farmer near you who's raising Tamworths, and he's a farmer who's willing to take some time with you and you know, talk to you and help you learn how to raise these right, Go with a Tamworth. Tamworths are known as a bacon pig. We found ours had definitely some delicious bacon. So yeah, go with a go with a Tamworth. If you have someone near you that raises Berkshire's, Berkshire's have really nice muscle conformation. And if you the farmer is a good fit for you, go with the Berkshire. It's more important to find a farmer who has quality animals, who is willing to take some time with you, uh, to explain things to you and help you get off off your feet, uh, and who you can rely on for pigs hopefully year after year after year if you find that farmer it doesn't matter what the breed is as long as it's not crazy expensive if you find multiple farmers and now you get to pick what is the breed that I suggest we here on our farm like to raise the Yorkshire Landrace Cross and this is a more commercial pig it's the pink pig it's not a heritage breed the reason I like these pigs is they grow a little bit quicker and they're a very long pig so you actually get an extra pork chop out of these pigs because of the length. The farmer I buy them from is a fantastic farmer. We're going to hear a little bit from him in a few minutes here. Um, he's, he's got a great program there, and his animals are great quality, and I can rely on him every year for good quality pigs. So that's why we go with this pig. It's a good quality pig, and it's a great farmer to work with, and I can count on him year after year. So that's the best advice with breeds, is just find what you have locally that is easy to do and a good quality product and go for it, as long as you're not getting price gouged because it's some rare furry pig. Once you've decided on your breed, how many? If you've never done pigs before, how many pigs should you get? and this is what I always suggest is raise two. You'll be able to handle two, you'll be able to keep up on their water needs and their feed needs. And once you do your first two, you'll have enough meat for your own family and you'll have enough to maybe share with other family members and friends, or maybe try to sell a little bit on the side. Uh, if you had to if get a chest freezer, you'll be able to fill a chest freezer with the two pigs and you can eat that year round. And what will happen is you'll you'll catch that, that bug, you'll say, oh, I really like having pigs. And maybe two will become four. And for us, it went two to four to six to 12. Last year, we did 12 pigs, which was a little bit insane. And this year, we scaled back to six pigs, which is kind of our sweet spot (laughs) here on our farm. But definitely start with two. Don't buy more than you have customers for. Some people think, oh, you know what? I'm going to go out and buy... You know, 10 pigs and feed my family too and I'll sell all the others. I'll, I got enough time to figure it out. But don't do that because pigs are very expensive to keep. They're expensive to feed. And if you don't have the customers lined up, you could run yourself. That mortgage lifter could be a uh, mortgage refinancer. <laughs> Is that a good mortgage joke? I don't know. Counting Mike's not giving me that one. Uh, <laughs> thinking, yeah, sure. Okay. It was, it was a you joke.
2: Refinance. That's a mortgage term. There we <laughs> go. <laughs>
1: Start with two and grow. Now there's a question that I get all the time on YouTube. We've talked about our our business plan before. We've talked about the cost of raising pigs and uh, people ask me all the time, why don't you just buy two, grow them and then breed them and raise your own so you don't have to buy the feeder pigs every year. Feeder pigs actually every year cost me about a hundred dollars per pig and i know in some parts of the country you're thinking oh my goodness i can get a pig for 15 bucks or i can get a pig for 25 bucks in our area a good quality pig runs 90 to 100 dollars, and i spend on six pigs 600 dollars. so i have a short snippet of an interview i'm going to play here with tom dexter this is the guy that i buy my pigs from he's been in the pig business for well his whole life his grandfather started the farm and they had pigs and i'm going to share Uh, This Just a little snippet, this is a YouTube video we have up, and you can watch the whole video uh, over on YouTube. Uh, But I'm going to share just a brief part of this conversation that I had with Tom. I also get asked all the time, why don't you raise your own? Why don't you just have your own sow and your own boar? You could save a ton of money if you just raised your own. As you listen to this YouTube video, you'll hear the sound of my pigs in the background, and then when I'm talking with Tom, you'll hear the sound of tons of feeder pigs in the background of us. You can see these cute pigs if you head over to the YouTube channel. Just search Homesteady in YouTube. The first point that Tom talked about was the fact that just one sow and one boar for one litter a year is not really good for your actual animals. You see, a sow and a boar should be mating as much as they are ready to. Anytime that sow is open, the boar should be mating her, and the boar should be mating year round. Well, will you
3: have a chance of, of her uh, if she's been open too long. Yeah not being able to be bred. um, Or him, the boar is temporarily sterile from not using, and he has to keep, you know, going and breeding others, where I don't have that problem here, because I keep using the boars. Okay.
1: When you just have the two, you essentially have all your eggs in one basket.
3: Pretty much. And if you run into
1: problems,
3: that could ruin your whole your whole year. Well, yeah, or if I had 10 sows with one boar, yep. and I'm trying to breed them for spring litter for now, they're yep. in March, I have customers starting to pick up pigs, and that boar hurts himself, or, <laughs> you know, he's not interested in doing his job. Right. That's why I keep more boars than I need. Yeah. So it's like a little insurance policy yeah. to keep, you know, because
1: I have to have pigs for you people. Right. And if your one litter all year depends on those two working together and they're shut down, well you're out of business for the year. Tom has four boars and many many sows. That way he's always got somebody who's ready to breed. The second reason that Tom talked about why and which I agree with why I don't have my own breeders is because of the work involved in keeping a sow and a boar. These feeder pigs I keep for five months and then I'm done for the year. From fall to early spring, I get to take time off. Feed and care year round. How much work is there in just feeding and caring a pair? Well, we had
3: 14 inches of snow a, a few weeks back, yep. and they don't like to go outside to do their thing, yep. and, you know, so they do it in the barn. And So they're not, you know, so then that's more for you to
1: shovel and clean up in yeah, the Yeah, because
3: they're only, like, some of them sows that are really yep. pregnant are only, like, 12 inches off the ground.
1: <laughs> so they're not going the to 14 inches. Yeah,
3: some days,
1: I wish. <laughs> you wish I, you were I, buying feeders? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish, <laughs> hey, Austin, you know, are my pigs ready? Are my pigs ready? My pigs yeah, ready? yeah, yeah, yeah. I love taking the winter off. Taking care of a boar and a sow, delivering that much feed in the winter, working with the water, it's so much work. And I have wintered pigs in the past, I don't feel like doing that. So I'm happy to take some time off and let Tom do all the work in the snow while I enjoy sitting by the fire and come springtime I pick up my feeders. Now the last reason I don't raise my own, and this is the most important one, Everybody on YouTube who has left this comment for me, why don't you raise your own? You could save so much money. Well, because it's not true. I actually couldn't save any money unless I were raising way more pigs. A sow's gonna eat about a ton of feed a year. One ton. Yeah, okay. Right now, um, we're going through a little more than a
3: ton of feed a week um, oh, on the farm. That's with, for the sows and yep. the baby pig feed, you yep. know, that I, I get in And you get a ton of feed at a discounted price because you buy in bulk. Well, yeah, right now it's uh, 3, I think it was 375, I just got 375
1: for a, a ton. ton? Yeah. I pay about 600 for that same ton, and yeah. that's what most of my viewers, if you were just getting one sow and one boar, they probably couldn't even buy a ton all at once, because it would sour by the time they'd run through it. Yeah, well, palatability is a big thing, and you right. want to
3: keep it good. You know, in the winter like this, it's not a problem, but, right. you know, July and August yeah. when it's, you know, really yep. hot. And you got to feed those pigs. Right. So
1: here's how it works out. A boar and a sow in a year will each eat a ton of feed. My ton of feed costs about $600. So two tons would cost me $1,200 throughout the year to keep that sow and that boar going. I right now have six pigs. Three of them are for my family, and three of them are for the different families that I sell pork to. I don't have enough customers for any more than this this year. I could probably sell an additional one or two. Out of the blue this year, I probably wouldn't be able to sell many more than that. So if you do the math, these six feeder pigs cost me $600. Keeping a sow and a boar for the whole year, that would cost me $1,200. I would actually be losing money. If I raised 12, I would
2: break even. I have a question. Go for it, Accountant Mike. What is a sow? Okay. A and sow is a
1: bore? and a boar. A sow is a female pig who uh, is old enough and having litters. And a boar is a male pig, old enough to make babies. Oh. Okay. Continue. Mystery salt.
2: <laughs> yeah. Mystery solved.
1: So when we talk about our pig operation on our farm, and the one that I suggest to every homesteader out there, and in this video, I said probably nine out of 10 people fit this bill. If you're trying to raise... A pig for yourself and a pig for your family, and you want to sell a little bit extra on the side. It would take at least, like we talked about in the video, it would take about a dozen customers worth of pig customers to start breaking even. Now, you could also sell the feeder pigs themselves, but the point is, no matter how you cut the math, it is really nice to take the winter off. Pigs in the winter are hard to raise, the water freezes, unless you have a really nice heated barn and if you do you still have to be shoveling pig poop out of the barn daily because they make a lot of it. So my suggestion to everyone is get feeder pigs, 8 week old pigs that are very healthy, 5 months they become full size ready to process pigs and you can yield from those pigs 200 pounds of meat. You bring them to the processor or you do it yourself and then you take the rest of the year. winter comes. You enjoy it. You sit by the fire. You enjoy eating that delicious bacon. For the cost of the feeders, it is well worth it unless you want to go full time into being a pastured pork producer for your community and, and your local, probably your state if you're running an operation that big. If you want to become just a pig farmer, then breed them yourself. But if you just want to be a homesteader who's doing it for yourself and selling it to friends on the side, I highly suggest go the feeder route. So, what do you need? Let's talk about cost Accountant Mike. Let's do this breakdown
2: here. All right. Okay, so you need uh, you need infrastructure, right? Let's talk and about you need infrastructure.
1: Feed. Infrastructure. You need your first year, I spent about a thousand dollars. We made ourselves a concrete pad pen. Uh, Now our pigs are pastured. They're out on grass and everything. But I like having the concrete holding pen for the pigs in the beginning when I first bring them on farm. It's nice to have them on concrete to keep them there, to inspect their health, make sure they're all good, uh, make sure I can release them into the pastures. So we built a concrete holding pad, which was 16 by 16. It had the fence built in. We had to install our water lines and uh, put in our our infrastructure to get our feed there. Uh, We had a really great question. Vince, one of our super chatters asked us if it made sense to plant and grow grain for feed. So Vince, here's the answer to your question.
2: I,
1: with with a sow and a boar, they'll go through a ton of feed a year, a ton of grain. The feeder pigs that we raise, I buy every year for six pigs, I buy a couple tons. Uh, you would be much better off, if you want to provide your own feed for your pigs, grain is not the way to do it for a small-scale homesteader. You're much better off getting, for example, get yourself a cow and then use the grass-fed cow's milk, separate it into whey, and feed the whey to the pigs Uh, that's a high protein feed uh, that is much easier to produce enough of and you can feed your pig garden scraps you can feed them stuff from stores nearby that are throwing things out but pigs need protein to grow and so you are most likely unless you're feeding them enough whey from your family cow which a lot of farmers do that they have the cow and they feed the pigs with the cow but if you're just getting a bunch of stale bread from the bakery. And uh, you know garden clippings and lettuce you're gonna need to still give them some good protein feed Uh, we got some really good tips and people are saying boiled eggs lentils they love cabbage Highlander saying at uh, Prepper Broadcasting over here so people give them everything and trust me I love giving the pigs table scraps one of the best things about having pigs on the farm is that all the slop goes to the pigs Uh, but when, when you are raising a lot of pigs to grow full-size to feed your family, you are going to need to supplement their diet with feed. Uh, We got feeder pigs are $100 each account, Mike. Your infrastructure for the first year is about $1,000 is what I spent. You could definitely do it cheaper if you already have Mm -hmm. some fenced-in areas. Uh, if you don't have anything starting from scratch, fencing, you could still do it cheaper. But I spend a thousand feed per sure. pigs. I spend from anywhere from two to four hundred dollars per pig per year. I buy a GMO-free, like almost organic feed, which is expensive because that's what my customers want. You could get conventional right. grain, and you can supplement the heck out of their diet with your scraps and whatever else you can get, and you could be more on the two hundred dollars side or less. And then butchering. Mm-hmm. If you can butcher your own two pigs, if that's something you want to do, you're going to save a lot of money there depending on what your butcher charges. Our butcher charges $450 to do pigs, which is a lot of money per pig. But remember, I'm selling mine to customers at a premium price. So I decide to go with a butcher. Now, I have butchered my own pigs and I butcher my own deer and I butchered my own goats. I'm not afraid to butcher my my own animals. But pigs are, to get... To look perfect, you need some good equipment. Uh, if you're selling it at a premium, if it's just for you and your family, and you got a sawzall and you want to get creative, go for it. Oh my you god! Can save a lot of money
2: there. <laughs> Let me jump in and sure. say that I would imagine if you're selling it for people, you know, like the general public who are going to buy this from you, that is probably going to be an area where you need to have some sort of like, you know, licensing or that sort of thing. So you might, if you're not just doing this for yourself, if you're doing it to actually make money you might have to use a butcher
1: that is absolutely true so in certain states you can get around that and certain ways to get around that uh, for example in connecticut i could get around that with what's called custom cutting so if i was selling it to somebody i can have a custom cut butcher or i can sell them the animal live and then they can have whoever they want butcher the thing but for the sake mm. of today's breakdown let's take these numbers your first year yeah you spend a thousand dollars like i did on infrastructure you buy two feeders for $100, you spend okay. 300, and well, let's say 300 per pig, 600 total, and your butcher charges 450 for each pig. From that, you get 400 pounds of premium okay. pastured pork, which we didn't even talk about this. Pastured pork has a better tasting, better quality fat. It is juicier. The flavor is incredible. The steaks you get off a pig are marbled with fat that tastes, I would say it's, it's marbled fat that tastes like bacon. So a pastured pork that is fed, you know, healthy feed with a good, you know, on grass, good garden supplements, in the sun, in the mud, amazing quality, premium meat. So the meat quality is amazing, and you're getting 400 pounds, and there is not a bad cut on the pig. The tail's good, the feet are good, the face is good.
2: And so that 400 pounds was per pig, and that's like sellable meat, right? Yeah,
1: yep. 200 pounds, so... Usually, my hanging weights around 200 pounds and yield from that is about you know maybe 60, 70 percent of that. So it's not quite 200 in the freezer. Oh. It's probably more like oh, 160. Okay. But if you grow them out bigger, you can get 200 pounds. So if you want to take okay. that 200 pound number, that's not a bad figure to go with.
2: Well, that's the thing, even if you're talking top... so if I'm thinking about this from a dollars and cents standpoint, right? Yep. If you get 160 pounds of meat out of a pig, right? Yep. And two pigs times whatever we, I'm going to take an average of $12 and 50 cents per pound. <laughs> Are you sure that number's right? Cause that's $4,000 <laughs> per pound.
1: Pa- yes. $12 for 200 pounds.
2: No, that was for, I did like 160 pounds or something.
1: 160 yeah. pounds times $12 is how yep, much money? 12 and a
2: half. So 160 pounds yeah. uh, times 12 and a half dollars per pound is 2,000, and if we're doing two pigs, it's 4,000. Yep, because all that's of our totally numbers are right. two pigs so far. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'd give it a thumbs up. That totally works thumbs for sure.
1: Up. I knew pigs were getting a thumbs up. This was a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. Why?
2: Uh, it's the first thing that like, well, not the first thing. That totally makes like actual real financial sense like if you're gonna and especially if you have some sort of if you're gonna be using it and if you could sell some of it to somebody like you don't need to do a big batch of pigs do you call it a batch herd squabble you don't need to do a <laughs> ton heard, of pigs sure. in order to actually make a flock of pigs money on them so yeah a flock it's true. of pigs yeah you could do a miniature flock of pigs and make money it's totally totally works <laughs> it's true yeah. And that infrastructure pays for itself within a year. Yeah.
1: Yep. So what your total number, what are you getting per pound? Two pigs, your first year, 400 pounds of meat. What was the total price the first year with infrastructure?
2: You're ending up, after all of your costs, after everything, you're netting about $4 per pound. Wow, that's amazing
1: yep. for premium. And yep. you cannot touch that at the farmer's market. was clear pigs got a definite thumbs up from accountant Mike and honestly I knew that they would that's the reason I've been doing pigs for the last five years on our homestead they're a great way to grow meat for your own family and they're a fantastic way to start selling meat to your community Pastured pork is by far one of the best tasting meats. It's got the biggest improvement over its counterparts that you find at the supermarket compared to any other meat you might raise. Grass-fed beef, that's a bit of an acquired taste. Grass-fed chicken, yeah, it tastes good. tastes like chicken. But grass-fed pork is a whole new world of delicious. And if you haven't tried it, go find a farmer locally who's raising grass-fed pork and give it a shot. I know you'll be convinced of the quality. But remember, just because the pork's delicious doesn't mean that pigs are right for your situation. They certainly weren't right in New Amsterdam. And the reason why? Pigs can be destructive, they can be hard to contain, and they can be hard to handle. And of course, there's the smell. So should you bring pigs on your own homestead? You're gonna have to think about the things we talked about today. Do you have a property that's right for it? No neighbors nearby who are going to complain. Definitely make sure it's not illegal where you are. But if you can pass that criteria and you want to start raising some of the best meat you could possibly feed your family in a very short period of time, an incredible turnaround, and even maybe make some money from it, well then what are you waiting for? Get out there and start looking for a farmer to buy from. If you're in the Connecticut area, I'd be happy to give you Tom Dexter's number. Just email me, aust at homestudy.com and I'll give it to you. And of course, special thanks to Tom for taking some time with us to chat about the effort involved in raising pigs. We also want to thank Prepper Broadcasting Network. You can listen to our show live on Tuesday nights and chat along in the chat box. Or you can watch the show as we broadcast live on YouTube. Just search Homesteady in YouTube. There's a fantastic blog post write-up about this episode. Every week, Alexia, the suburban escapee, does a write-up of our episode, breaking down what we talked about, sharing relevant links, and including some of her own story as her and her own family work on becoming more homesteady, escaping suburban life one small step at a time. Head over to thisishomesteady.com to check out that write-up. Special thanks to Allison Holly. She's been editing for us since we've gone to a weekly show, and it's been a big help in helping us get you the show each week. If you're really enjoying listening to Homesteady every week, there's a way you can help make sure it keeps on happening. And that's by A, becoming a pioneer. Just head over to thisishomesteady.com, click on pioneers up in the menu, and you'll see the link to become one. It's five bucks a month, and you can join us live every Tuesday night for the show and for the after show with pioneers only. Last week, we talked about pigs with a couple different pioneers who are growing their homesteads. We chatted about pigs. We chatted about starting business with pigs. So if you're a pioneer, every Tuesday at 10 o'clock, join us for that live after show discussion. Pick everyone's brain because the other pioneers there have a lot of experience too. And if you can't become a pioneer, you can still help. You can help support the show without spending an extra dime through Amsteady.com. Before you shop at Amazon, just type in Amsteady.com. You'll be forwarded to Amazon and we'll receive a small proceed from what you spend, but you won't spend an extra penny. Thank you so much for listening. The show is produced by myself, Aust, and by my wife, Kay, who handles editorial and correspondence. And we are Homesteady. If you are too, share it on social media with the hashtag IamHomesteady. And as always, until next time, the road is rocky. Make Homesteady. In the next episode of Homesteady, we're going to talk about fishing, and we want your fishing stories. We did this way back in the second episode of Homestudy, and now we'd like to hear more of your fishing stories. You can share them with us live Tuesday, April 4th, 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Join us on YouTube or at Prepper Broadcasting for the live show. We'll be letting you call in and share your fishing stories with us. And if you miss the live show, you can still share your fishing story. All you have to do is dial 657-223-3276. Dial that number and you'll get an answering machine where you can record your fishing story and maybe you'll hear it on the next podcast. Or just join us live on Tuesday night. We'll be taking your calls.